You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. All right, good morning, Highland family. It is an incredible joy to be with you. I'm Charlie Ramsey. I am husband to Brooke. There might be a picture coming up here in a minute. And um, father to this tribe. When we moved here seven years ago, uh, we sensed a promise from the Lord that we could press in and pray for our family, for our extended family. And what a joy it's been. I'm so proud and blessed uh, to be of the family of God and to be a part of this church here at Highland. I have the incredible privilege also of serving college students and young adults as a chaplain at Baylor. Um, I pretty much wake up in the morning and I get to say, okay, what am I going to do today to help a college student come to know Jesus, and what can I do to help them find a church family? That is my joy. Uh, There are some confusing, confusing voices out there, isn't there? A cloud of unknowing, if you will, and I'm believing for a breakthrough in this generation, an awakening. A revival, and I believe some of the students who are on our campus right now, some of them who are praying with me even this morning, are going to have an instrumental part of that. So, um, what do I want? I want them to see Jesus. What do I want for us this morning? I want us to see Jesus. By this, I mean a desire to not only know about him, but to know him, to walk with him, to hear his voice here and now, to abide in a spiritual union with them, made possible through the light of Scripture and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. If you look on a slide up there coming next, let's see if we got it. The idea for this comes from uh, some time when I was in Pakistan. And as I was praying about uh, our time this morning and reflecting on what I think God's doing here at Highland and doing in Waco, I believe there is a stirring. There's a stirring that's happening. And uh, if I had to think of a word to summarize where we're at as a church, and you know, we've had this, this season of, of saying our prayer life could be deeper, it could be better. I think that's what we want. As, as a people, we're saying we want the slow burn. We want to mature with him. We, we've had some high points. We've had some low points. We've, uh, we've walked in the flat. Lands, we want to go deeper. So a few years ago, uh, my family and I, we lived in Pakistan. We were there for 17 years. We've had about 25 years of ministry there. And I was in the pulpit of, uh, of a seminary there. Think about this, a seminary in Pakistan that's preparing leaders. And inscribed there in the pulpit before anything happens is, hey, I want to see Jesus. It's a moment for me to remember that we're part of a global family here at Highland. Have you noticed the flags around there? Have you stopped to count those? 52, 52 global nations represented in our midst. So if you're joining from online or you're streaming or you're one of my brothers and sisters over there, I want you to know that we are with you. We are for you. Jesus knew that many of us live in difficult neighborhoods where there's the reality of persecution and discrimination. And we say with you, uh, stand strong, stand firm. Jesus said, I've told you these things so you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Brothers and sisters here at Highland, we're in a journey of faith. There will be ups and downs. We're going to need a kingdom perspective. 
Okay, so join me. If you have your scripture, you can open it up and look at it with me. Um, I'm, I'm from a funny tradition, having lived for overseas. Whenever we read the New Testament scripture, we stand up. So I'm gonna make you uncomfortable. I'm gonna ask you to just stand up for a minute here in awe and reverence of God's word, and I'm gonna read this for us. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And they were instructed, and they were coming down the mountain. Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus is not your average rabbi. He was a man who worked with his hands, was kind, was gentle to children and to women. He was someone who somehow moved with miraculous power. He spoke with an unusual authority. People flocked to him, but he avoided fame and military and power. He traveled with a group of, of disciples, 12, and three of them are there. Just before they go up on the mountain, one of them, Peter, makes a startling declaration. He says, Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen and anointed one, the one whom the prophets had foretold hundreds of years ago that he would come and set his people free that he would forgive them for their sins and usher in a new era where God would dwell among his people. For those of us familiar with the story, it's easy to breeze past this. We've heard it a thousand times. We know that Jesus will ultimately surrender his life on the cross. He'll come back victorious, raised on the third day. We know this. So it's easy to just brush right through this. But wait this revealing, this transfiguration is divinely and strategically placed. Not only here, but also in Mark and Luke. And this event marks the center of the story. Don't miss it. In the run-up, there are miracles, there are teachings. And then Peter makes a dramatic, bold declaration about Jesus, right? And at this moment, the curtain of heaven is pulled back. The veil is removed, and we see the glory of Jesus. Who is this that's walking among us? Who is this 
that's going to be on the cross? It is the Messiah. It is the second person of the Trinity. It is the Word made flesh, the Logos incarnate, the divine light shining forth. We run out of language. We run out of philosophy. We run out of ways to describe what we're seeing because heaven and earth have been revealed before us in the person of Jesus. The disciples, they're listening. They've been walking. They've been watching. Jesus is eating. He's sleeping. He's healing. He's teaching. He's doing all of this. And at this moment, we see Jesus in his glory. Whew. Can anybody help me out there? Does anybody need to take one of those? Whew. Peter's response is very relatable, isn't it? Lord, I'm glad that we're here. Uh, I'm glad that we saw that. How about we build three temples or three shelters for you? One for Moses, who brought the law. One for Elijah, the crown of the prophets. And one even for you, the Messiah, who's there in their midst. Lord, now I have glimpsed your glory. I've had a taste of who you are. Let me build your shrine. Would you bless, bless my plans, Lord? I have some great ideas for, for what you should do uh, here in my life and in the world. Would you bless my plans? But then we have an amazing glimpse of the patient persistence of God. We get a divine <clears throat> from the Lord as the cloud of light covers them. And God says, this is my son. Listen to him. It's a Genesis 1 moment where the Lord is speaking and he's drawing attention because he's doing something new. Peter, James, and John fall on their faces in adoration. Where else would there be? Where they be? The moment passes quickly, though, doesn't it? For flowing with the story, it passes quickly, as mountaintop experiences often do. And amazed, overwhelmed, and terrified, they they lay there until Jesus touches them. Have no fear. And they walk down with them. Let's think about this event. Let's think about this together. The transfiguration, the revealing, right, of the heart and presence of God. Just before this, right, Jesus is with his disciples. And Peter is giving us a clue of what's happening. But Jesus here is revealing the deep secrets of heaven, the way that he's going to work about his salvation, right? Not only in that event, but in what's happening here this morning. Don't miss this. They will see Jesus on the cross. They will see Jesus resurrected. But they will see Jesus establishing his church, the manifest body of Christ here and now. Plan A for the kingdom of God is and has always been the church, the ecclesia, the gathered ones. This group of people from so many different countries, so many different cultures, learning to live within our new spiritual DNA as brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible goes to great distances to awaken us to it. Paul says, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. So in everything, he might have the supremacy. In Ephesians, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
So the light shining forth on the mountain now shines forth in you, in me, as we are the body of Christ. I learned this from Oza last week. I'm going to ask you to preach with me this morning, at least in your mind, all right? What happens, all right? Think about this with me. Think about this. What happens when you hold a little baby? Have you done that recently? It's like, oh, all right? Or you're upstairs and you have a three-year-old running through filled with energy. What happens when you sit with your grandparents and you see the wisdom of the elder statesman kind of looking at you and saying, you got this. I mean, something happens as the body of Christ ministers to itself. Have you listened recently to the differently abled, as we say uh, in India, where, where I served for some time, at Biddy and Bose? Or have you spent some time with the homeless or the migrant recently? It's amazing in the body of Christ, we see Jesus present and active all the time. It is beautiful. One of the most difficult places, I think, for us to see Christ at work is often when we have to look in, in the mirror. Have you ever done that? Or have you done that recently? It's an awkward moment, and you, you start realizing that you have these wrinkles and freckles and, and things that are there, and then you draw in real close, and, and you look like at your own eyes for a second, and the truth hits you that I too am the beloved of Christ and that the Spirit of God dwells in me. If we want to go deeper, we're going to have to start moving into these kinds of conversations. If we want our prayer life to become what it, what it is yet to be, we're going to have to start moving in these circles of conversation and thinking about this. What holds me back from recognizing the presence and work of the Holy Spirit here? Is it, is it my busyness? Uh, is it my hectic schedule? Is it my self-reliance? Is it the dogged belief that I have to kind of pull things together and, and pull myself up? What hinders my, uh, my process of growth? What keeps my quiet time so, I don't know, repetitive and, and, and stale? I've been thinking about this because there's sometimes the, the, the metaphors that we live in. We have, a, have one of, the, of a cup needs to be filled up. I got to get back here on Sunday to, to be filled up by the song, to be filled up by another message. Maybe we need a shift. We need to go deeper and realize that the Holy Spirit is already here, that God is already at work within my inner world. And instead of being filled up and busy with that, I need to slow down and allow that to come up for the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Maybe it's not 10 verses, maybe it's one that I gotta chew on over and over and over, speaking and hearing. As we wanna go deeper, we have high points, like the top of the mountain. We have low points where God gets our attention and suffering. Some of the hardest are the flatlands, aren't they? The ordinary, the boring, the blah, where we don't think there's much going on at all. In the verses just before they go up the mountain, we look at 1624. Jesus is speaking, I think, to this reality. He says, if any of you, and he's, again, speaking to you and me here, if you want to be my follower, you're going to have to give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, for my sake, you will find it. And what will you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? 
Is anything worth more than your soul? And yet you and me, in those dark days and nights of disappointment, come to the very edge of this, don't we, of of betraying our deepest convictions, of, of turning away from the source of hope can be to tragedy that happens or a nagging sin habit or betrayal even that was inflicted upon you. But sometimes the loss of purpose, right? What the ancients called the noonday demon that lulls us to sleep and away from our first love draws us away from what we hold so dear. We come halfway to our journey or you get to this point and you're thinking, I just thought I would be so much deeper by now. I would be wiser. I'd be kinder. I'd be more disciplined. Fill fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. But take heart. The way of the disciple is a way of life. When you train for a distance race, you don't think, I wonder if I'm going to hit the wall. Right? I'm working on this, guys. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm there. I do the marathon every year. I know the wall's coming, right? When I signed up to do it, I knew it was going to be that way. Let me talk about that. Uh, I want to move from being a guy who runs on occasion to being a runner. You see the difference? I had an Uncle Rico moment, some of you can relate, not too long ago, and and, uh, I had to go get my shoulder worked on. I had to get some therapy, and I I knew it was from my my glory days, right? So I go in there to to meet my therapist and uh, starts working on me. And I have to say, the first session was utterly disappointing. It was just as, no fireworks, no cracking, no pain, no obvious miracles. And she called it the, the slow drip. She said, if, you'll, if you keep coming back, if you'll keep with me, you'll see what happens. The disciples were on a slow drip, walking with Jesus, learning his ways, changing, but it was slow. There was a renewing of their minds, a trust that God has a plan that is better than my plan. John Stott, one of the great theologians, pondered what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he spoke of a continuous and increasingly appropriated journey, a realization that our walk is not a one and done. And I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about the desire to go deeper in the ways of God. George MacDonald, who's famous for being C.S. Lewis's teacher, said, to hold a doctrine or an opinion with the intellect alone is not to believe it. A real belief is that which one lives by. So we're in this area of spiritual formation, of having Christ form with us, and we're realizing that it's going to take moving from the idea of being uh, someone who runs on occasion, who checks the box for my time met with the Lord, but becomes a runner, right? who starts envisioning that. Five years ago, I couldn't do it. When I went into my therapist this week, thinking that it was my injury, she said, no, uh, sir, the actual issue is that you've been sleeping on it for about 50 years. There's, there's nothing wrong. There's no injury. You've just been sleeping on it. So those aha moments for these times in our journey. The mountaintop, God pulls the curtain back and we witness who Jesus is. 
we recognize that he's doing something new. He's bringing a new covenant. God is not going to be found in the tabernacles and in the temples. Something new is happening. Jesus, I want to build you a dwelling. No, Jesus says, I'm going to build one with you. We will build your life upon my love. It is a sure foundation, as the song says. But Jesus, we could build a tabernacle here on the mountain and people will come. Our church will be so big. It'll be so powerful. No, 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 no. We're going to go down the mountain and we're going to dwell among the people. Jesus led his disciples on a journey that many felt was disappointing. Jesus led them down the mountain, back among their friends, brothers and sisters, on the long and narrow path to Calvary. The slow drip can feel disappointing. Moses' ministry was disappointing. He didn't even enter the promised land, even though it's called the promised land, right? Think about it. Paul's ministry was disappointing. He's prepared to be executed. He had no guarantee that any of his churches were actually going to survive. Jesus' ministry was disappointing. He was abandoned and denied, right, at the trial by these same three people that at the mountaintop saw his glory shine forth. Maybe that's your life. There are days when it is mine. Maybe you're looking at your studies, your career, and thinking, I just thought I would be so much further by now. Lord, are you really on my side? There was once a man named Joshua. He had a big job. Successor to Moses, and he's leading his people into battle. And when he reached near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword. Joshua went up to him and said, are you for us or against us? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell face down in reverence and said, what message, Lord, do you have for me? Perspective, when we see Jesus, we get a bigger perspective. Our challenges and difficulties and disappointments are put in their proper place. Are they important to God? Absolutely. But are they the best for the kingdom? Lord, hear my prayer, but Lord, your will be done. God in his unfailing love, his hesed, as they say, his loving kindness never slumbers. He never sleeps, but his ways are higher than our ways. And the plans he has for us are good and true. He is trustworthy. Beloved, you are not alone, and your journey is normal. 
Beloved, God is not surprised nor disappointed in you. Beloved, I see Jesus in you. Beloved, I'm increasingly assured and learning how to see Jesus in me. Oh, what a joy to be a part of this family. Oh, what a joy to be in the family of God. What burdens are you carrying? What is draining your soul this morning? My problems, friends, and your problems, they are temporary. His solution is eternal. How are you attending to your soul today? Are you trying to fill the cup? Are you running around manic and frantic, trying to see more Jesus, trying to find out where things are happening? Are you tapping the spring that is within you, creating silence and solitude and listening for that inner voice? Beloved, we cannot and we can never fix ourselves. We are placed in this family, the family of Jesus, the church, and he is with us. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then the Holy Spirit is most certainly active and alive within you. Maybe it's time to get curious. For those struggling today, and for those who are on the slow drip of growth, I pray for a glimpse of God's loving perspective, and I want to bless you with this poem. So I want to lead us in a simple prayer exercise today, right? So you can give it a try. This is something that I'm growing in at home. Again, emphasizing a little bit less, a little bit slower, a little more listening, a little more waiting. It's a poem by Scott Cairns. And... Uh, it might just be my one poem for the year. People give me a hard time about that. They're like, you should have 20 poems. I'm taking it slow. I'm on the slow drift. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to pray it, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to invite you to respond. I think everybody can respond in a service. I think we can all say yes to Jesus. I believe he has a word for you, a calling for you. He has instructions for you. Communication takes two sides, doesn't it? One speaking, one listening. I promise he's speaking. I'm slowly learning one thing, Scott Cairns says. I'm slowly learning one thing. Of one thing I'm slowly becoming aware whether or not I would have it so, whether I sleep or no, I will be changed. I'm changing as I speak. Suffer the children, finished, keep. When I see Jesus and take comfort that he sees me, we can walk through the highs and lows and even the very dull, boring flatlands. And all of that with increasing joy. This is our foretaste of heaven. One day that curtain will be pulled back 
and we will see Jesus in his glory. Perhaps that is at the moment of our passing for which we do not need to be afraid. Or perhaps it's upon his return for which we anxiously await. But until then, we practice resurrection by living in his presence each day. As the poet says, you are blessed to be like little children. Suffer not the little children, but who trust in the Lord and take him at his word and delight in the things of God, knowing that Christ and in Christ it is finished. Your salvation is accomplished. Your destiny is guaranteed. The victory is won. So knowing that, keep, keep, keep the faith. Run the race. Let's go deeper. If you want to respond, you can come up here. There'll be staff ready for you. I would love to pray with you. Join me in prayer. Lord, in peace we listen in confidence we wait come Holy Spirit take us deeper teach us your ways that we may walk in your truth with undivided hearts we place our faith in you Lord our Savior our Redeemer Jesus. Amen.